the past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to Friday Night Fright. I'm your host, Ian Austin, and this is episode 83. Just a bunch of stuff, just a bunch of reviews, just a bunch of content. Today's episode has been recorded far in advance and contains three things. Um, It contains, bear with me because I'm trying to remember, Edward Scissorhands, uh, Terminator Dark Fate and the Joe's Play movie, um, the Joe's Play reboot, so a lot of stuff on today's episode, yay, I haven't seen Joe's Play, well I have. Um, when this called, I've already watched it, but prior to that, I haven't seen it, something I wanted to watch. Turn their Dark Fate, if it's on this episode, I'm not sure, maybe it's on the next one, is a definitely movie. Oh, no, no, that's not on this one, no. This is Charles Play, Edward Hands and Videodrome. Um, two movies, one movie from the 80s, one movie from the 90s, one movie from my age, so yay. Uh, even if Charles plays a remake. Um, so it's a quite an eclectic collection of content this week uh definitely hope you enjoy it and as always remember this is friday night it's been time for frightening and no some of you are going to say edward's hands is not hard moving i'd say yes it is tim burton makes gothic fairy tales and gothic fairy tales are technically horror so you know shove up your ass um, we're not live, this is pre-recorded, but it might as well be live, because we frying on Friday night, yo! And I'll be back after a brief word from my sponsors, aka me. Hey, so I watched, just watched Videodrome, the um, David Cronenberg James with Debbie Harry of a blondie fame horror movie from the 80s. Uh, I should probably start by pointing. I respect David Cronenberg's work immense work immensely. Um, I, Scanners is a uh, one of the best movies portraying how dangerous telepathy and telekinesis are in real life. It's a stenciless one. Is a underrated classic in my mind. Um, I really like that movie because partly because Jennifer Jason Leigh is one of the best act- actors of any kind on planet and has been for a long time. And uh, Crash, um, we're interesting story about Crash. We are watching it um, in high school for our movie course. Teacher left the room. I needed to go to the bathroom to pee. Came back, sat down, drank a coke and went, ah! And got one staring at me because I assumed I'd just masturbated. In bathroom touring, I thought that's crazy. If I was going to masturbate and crash, I would do it in public because, you know, at that point, why not? Um, enough movies Dave Cronenberg made. I mean, I don't have a huge amount of experience with. Oh, The Fly. The Fly is amazing. The Fly remake um, is a really good movie. Fly to a ship, but Fly is really good. But I respect him. I think Dave Cronenberg's got a gift for making really clinical horror movies. They're not. They don't oversee their welcome. They're very tightly scripted, tightly written, tightly directed. And he generally knows how to make them lean, but mean, if that makes any sense. Because when you think about it, Videodrome's only about, what, at 90 minutes? But it doesn't feel short by any stretch. It feels like it's a complete narrative, but done in a really interesting way. I think that's one... Oh, I, he also made Dead Zone, didn't he? 
Did he make Dead Sun? I think they did. Yeah, I really like Dead Sun too. But he's so mad. Dave Grohnberg movies are so matter of fact. Like, especially this one. He gets straight to the point. He doesn't waste time. And he makes interesting movies with interesting philosophical conundrums. But he's not trying to find an answer. In this movie, it's dealing with a sleazy guy who runs a TV, co-runs TV network and puts cheap trash material on there and it's playing on themes of, you know, what is acceptable for television? Is television shaping the way we live our lives, corrupting us? As a as the character of Brian Oblivion, uh XB of Marshall McLaren McLuhan. Um if you've done any media studies you'll know who that name is. And it plays on that fact the manipulation of TV to create zombies and political assassins and manipulate people and doing things and also some really weird shit because Cronenberg obviously is very into body horror and this movie is ably supported by James Woods and let's get this out way first James Woods by any sane account is a scumbag of the highest order in terms of his politics and some of his attitudes in general but I do not think you can deny, especially back in his heyday, he was an exceptional actor. And maybe that's because he's sight sleazy in real life. But maybe it's also because, you know, people with that sort of attitude sometimes become translating to acting quite well because they're getting to play their power fantasies if we And at the same time gets a really good performance by Deborah Debbie Henry, who sexuality on the screen is a difficult thing to ascertain because you, Sometimes it can read as forced, but in this case it feels very natural. She's playing an object of lust, but there's a lot of characterization there too, and a lot of baggage and a lot of sad, sad, sad implications. But she does a really good job of it, and they play off each other nicely. A central theme for movies seems to be constructing the idea that television is rotting wet people's brains and removing their sensations and the symptoms. Tats, I, I'm getting it wrong, um, you know. But I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, I, I was watching it late late last night, and I read the game to it, but there are points when I was sort of dozing off a bit. It wasn't because it's bad, but I do think in lots of ways we have evolved to a system of watching things just to watch them. If that makes any sense, uh, it's a culture we live in. You know, it's not brainwashing, it's the wrong thing, but you could be watching something, look down, realise that you've watched three episodes and you just hadn't noticed it. So it's a bit of weird pseudo time travel there. And Kroenberg's quite um, good at that sort of thing. He obviously predicted this. He predicted the computer orifice thing, thing from um, uh, existence quite aptly. It's weird, because I'm sorry, I'm really because he doesn't seem like a sort necessarily be too into computers and that sort of thing. No, but at the same time, he seems to be quite with it in terms of seeing where technology's going to go and pointing out that we should fear it to a degree. And the other part of Videodrome is, you know, the exploitation of everyone, to be honest, in terms of creating these horrible videos and them going viral. So he predicted YouTube too. Well, it's general nature of movies, quite clever and well written, and obviously Cronenberg, so he knows how to direct, like a motherfucker. So there's lots of interesting angles, lots of his body horror parts. If you've seen stuff like Flying Assistance, you'll know that Cronenberg loves his body horror. And really, he's taking this, this idea and playing it to its full limit. It's very, very gory. 
but in a good way. And I would say it's probably one for the... Oh, a lot of climax. It's so nice to see a horror movie that do something a bit different. Because it is body horror, but it's not defined by body horror. There's lots of other forms of horror in there. Manipulation, sadism, you know, the torture aspect. And Cronenberg really does a good job with conveying that. Visually, it's fascinating. You know, there's some shots near the end which play with your perspective. Your perspective. Um, the same way they play with the perspective of James Woods. And the ending's quite stark. And doesn't they really linger long past the climax? It sort of hits the climax and ends. And there's also some bizarre sexually suggestive imagery in there. You can see why Cronenberg can still consider it to a large degree be a cult director because this stuff isn't necessarily mainstream. But then again, at the same time, you think this is probably one of the movies most people know about. And it is because of certain elements. He puts in those elements that people will remember, like the... Um, the um vagina stomachs opening up into vaginas, the Dave James Woods making out with a giant sized TV lips, whipping a TV and the whipping being reverted onto back of an old woman, stuff like that. Very powerful, very shocking images, but at the same time they're not more than sums of their whole, if that makes any sense. <laughs> sums of their whole. It fits into wider narrative. So I would go for this as Four out of five. I, I, the only reason I wouldn't say five out of five is I'm trying not to give five out of five unless I've seen movie multiple times because it might not stand up for scrutiny. But I give this four out of five. Estestance and Fly, I, I give Estestance probably 4.5 out of five and Fly five out of five. I'll be doing reviews of them at some point down the line. But yeah, Videodrome, um, four out of five. Yeah, very good, very, very good movie. And it's always nice to watch a movie which challenges you on Friday night while you're lying on couch with a sore back because you're listed too many weights. So that's Videodrome, 4 out of 5. Definitely recommend it. Um, and hopefully I'll be catching up with more Cronenberg movies soon. So next up on Friday Night Friday is Child's Play, the um, 2019 remake of the 1980-something original just a bit of background, just my um, relationship with Charles Play. I am a fan of the original series. I like mostly the metatextual ones. Um, oh, God. Um, Charles Play four, five, and six, I think. Four, five, six. Something like that, yeah. I, I like ones with Jennifer Tilly and when they play up the silliness of it a bit more, it's, that's the stuff I really enjoy. I like the two, um, last two they made two, they went back to their horror elements. And in fact, I genuinely like all of them. In fact, the reason I most do is I'm a fan of Brad Dourif's version of Chucky and mythology they've created. It's quite a weird mythology. It can bounce between humour and generally tense moments and lots of, incredible gore at the same time but they always feel quite witty and quite well written which is refreshing because normally our franchise is kind of wrung out of engine unable to really change up and Joel's play seems to be one for ones which really can change up it seems to be able to hop from really really tense really really atmospheric horror to comedy back again i mean it's one of the few franchises horror wise that's managed to do a reboot of sorts, but keep the original nature of it. You know, they, they went right back to what made the first one work, 
but they didn't do a complete reboot. They managed to keep it in continuity. So it's very, very clever how they've done that. And their reward was that they Sujo signed make a big budget well a, not big budget, but a big budget remake of Charles Play with Aubrey Plaza and Mark Hamill. And it's not worst idea. I mean Charles Play I, I I mean I sort of make it by the fact they're keeping your continuity going apparently and there's work of T V show to that regard or worse, I don't know what's happening at the moment. But yeah, so that's cool, and it's made me think. Where's well, nothing wrong with having two ongoing, you know, continuities? You know, people aren't people are able to figure that shit out. So I think it's reasonably optimistic. And what what's my honest thought on it? I thought it was okay. I thought this was an okay movie. I didn't think it was anything stand out particularly. I didn't think it was anything to necessarily shout out about. One way or the other, I wouldn't say it's a piece of shit, and I wouldn't say it's an epic award-winning movie. I'd say it was decent. It was okay. It was a good watch. I, I don't necessarily think I would have paid for it. Uh, I was glad it's on Netflix. But, yeah, I did enjoy it, and I think they did as good jobs they could. And I'm going to caveat that in just a second. But, fundamentally, here's the thing. Charles Play is the little franchise that could, because it should have ended many, many times by now, but it keeps going. So you have to respect the original franchise for that. And I can appreciate they wanted to make a remake and try and tap into a new audience, because the Charles Play ones are straight to DVD at this point. They make money, I'm sure, but I don't think they necessarily make, you know big weekend box office money I'm not sure if this did either probably didn't but had, maybe it had more chance with Mark Hamill Audrey Plaza, Audrey Plaza aspect so fundamentally here's, here's where I stand on this movie flat out I get why they made it I get licensing I understand that I'm not someone who doesn't understand how licensing works licensing basically if you make cool an evil doll movie, Charles Play, you're more likely to sell it around weird without a fight because people know Charles Play. They might own no basis, but they know nothing. So you can say it in various territories very, very easily or easier than if you're coming up with a new story. Integrity wise, and maybe even to make lots of money down the line, you probably want to make a brand new franchise. You know, take the idea of the evil AI doll and do something different with it. Give it a new name. Don't have it based in Charles Play. Because you won't make more money up front, but you might make more money down back because you're dealing with an untested franchise. And people, personally, in my opinion, I think people are more likely for horror to give something a try if it's brand new and if it looks interesting than if it's just got something... It's his name on it. But that's the audience who pays C movie. That's not licensing. Licensing is something completely different. Essentially, the people who make this movie wanted to sell the rights completely and make a profit before the movie had even come out. Whereas if you came out with a brand new prospect, it might not necessarily do that. You might have to work a bit harder on marketing and stuff like that. Whereas Charles Play, licensing-wise, you're probably in the green for you've even, possibly before you've even shot a second Sigma and I do appreciate the fact that they're trying to do something different the AI aspect of it 
is unique. The cl- connecting cloud and all of that is stuff that is prevalent in modern day. And Charles Blett time was dealing with the idea of pre-Toy Story. What if a what if a doll had sentience, or what if a creepy serial killer used voodoo to get a doll sent give doll sentience? You know, and that was creepy for the time and still creepy today. But Charles plays a weird like mismatch. It's got a lot of voodoo. The original has got a lot of voodoo elements. Got the serial killer stuff, you know. Got some weird, creepy eighties horror vibes, which don't necessarily work. Which would work in an eighties horror franchise, continuing to present day, but wouldn't work in present day on its own merits. So I understand why he went for that. But here's fundamentally thing: Andy, Mike, Karen, Chucky. That's all this movie has. You know the names. It's not really much like a Charles Play movie in any stretch. And that's fine, they didn't have to make Charles Play movie, but one almost wishes they would have put integrity first and maybe just made a brand new franchise, you know? Rather than recamp on this. I mean this is this is really the first of the big horror franchises from the eighties and by big I'm talking Halloween, Friday thirteenth well I mean no. No it's not. No, because they tried rebooting them all, but how are you? Yeah, this is the latest <laughs> attempt to restart an 80s horror franchise, and I honestly, I think it's the best to have them. I think it's better than um, Friday 13's reboot and Nightmare on Elm Street's reboot, but it's not saying much. Um, yeah, I mean it's okay. It's it's it does a couple of interesting things, but probably is that for me, where it really, really, really falls down is Chucky's too powerful. That's that's just it to me. There's no you have to create bullshit rhetoric for Chucky dying. I know people go saying the original one, it's the same thing. Chucky took blow off, blow off, blow off, blow off, blow off, blow. But in this one, it's like he's literally supersonic AI. Like you you. The Avengers took ages to stop Ultron, and you're telling me these kids can stop an AI robot like Chucky? Like, it just doesn't work. And also, why is he going to save Chucky? It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's, it's decent. The acting's okay. The acting's, no, the acting's good. Aubrey Plaza plays a uh, young mother, which, you know, not necessarily... St- a stretch of her acting talents per se, but she does okay. Um Kid Plays Andy is probably too old for the role. It it worked better with a really young young kid, but uh, I I think they won't get away from Andy Barkley, so Mike did nothing but was fine. The other kids were okay, I guess, but they take something away from Andy's urgency. If they're all saving day, even though I get what movies try and go for, like the 80s, you know, Andy's just a loner because he's a weird kid stuff. So, yeah, what would I give it? Probably 2.5 out of 5. Watchable, fun, in parts, creative, very violent, surprisingly violent, needlessly in some cases. I know the original Chucky, Charles plays violent, but that's good for an overall aesthetic, whereas this just doesn't really have much aesthetic except for violence, if now and again. 
So I wouldn't, I'd say I come up differently to Don Mancini. Don Mancini, clear, the writer and director of mostly Charles Play movies and Chucky movies, doesn't care for this movie because he wasn't involved. I can see why he wouldn't be involved because they didn't really want to do anything he'd done. They want to do something different. And he stirs his franchise. I mean, I, I, I appreciate they tried. I don't think they entirely succeeded. But, you know, the original Charles Play was a weird, weird movie. I don't think you can remake that movie nowadays. Um, and I think if the... As much as I love them, if the other direct video DVD movies where were making lots of money and they put them back in cinema, they would, but they're not. So this is best you've got. Oh, and finally, Mark Hamill. He, Mark Hamill's good. He, he's good voice actor. He's a decent actor. But it's not Brad Dourif. No. It's not Brad Dourif, and I get, you know, they want to do something new, but I, he is, Brad Dourif is voice of Chucky, so I don't understand why you wouldn't throw him some money. You know, but then again, you can't throw Mark, you can't throw starring Luke Skywalker from fucking Rise of Skywalker, or bullshit, on the screen and get lots of money, so you know. You can't. You can do that. You can't do that with starring Brad Dourif, who was Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings: Two Towers, which came out almost twenty years ago. It won't make, but make money from some people, but not a lot of money from the old age you want. Anyway, so yeah, two point five out of five. Charles Play remake, two thousand nineteen. So uh, it's on Netflix. Go watch it, and you know, um, try and find the Easter eggs, I guess. <laughs> Hello, so I just watched Edward Scissorhands. Just watched being code for I watched it yesterday. Ha 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 um, What do I think of it? Oh, uh, I'm a bit of a Tim Burton fan in some ways. In other ways, I'm not a Tim Burton fan at all. But in some ways, I am. And mainly I'm a Tim Burton fan because as you get older, you realise that you want movies that are going to be interesting. And not necessarily in case all Tim Burton movies are good, but the majority of them are at very least interesting because he has a unique style. I know a lot of people criticise that style and call it Tim Burton-esque and weird just for the sake of weird, but I don't agree. I think Tim Burton is just generally making movies he wants to make. They're not all good. Some of them are pretty um, not slightly good like for example i hate mars tats i think mars tats is i get what's going for so that's my tap i really do but in the same vein as i feel eli roth is trying to ape the cannibal italian cannibal horror movies of 70s in green inferno i know tim burton is trying to ape 50 sci-fi movies in mars tats but I still don't really enjoy it, mostly because I don't really like 50s sci-fi cheesy alien invasion movies. I don't find them very... I think you probably enjoy some of them on their own merits, but at the same time, I think fundamental truth is that when you're watching these movies, the reason they're like that is because of time they were made in. They weren't like that for any other reason. And what sometimes people forget with doing homages is you don't have to ape it completely in modern day. And Tim Burton does, and Marsats don't like. But Big Fish is an exceptional movie. Very, very well done. Very, very well acted. And his Batman movies are iconic. Whether you like them or not, whether you feel they're faithful adaptations of Batman or not, they are 
incredibly visceral and unique and very gothic experiences that encapsulate Batman for a lot of people. And so watching something like Edward Scissorhands is interesting because this is a very, very, very Tim Burton movie. And it's also batshit insane. Um, it's on Disney Plus, and I know some people would say it's not technically a horror movie. I would say it's kind of a dark fairy tale, which I personally would fall into a horror category of sorts. And it's just like I said, it's batshit insane. Um, it's on the surface, it seems like a family friendly movie, but in actuality, this is dealing with some weird shit, like. The idea that a man with knives for his hands could be seduced by a bored, very, very hot housewife. Like, into she tries to have sex with him, but he has scissors for hands. So she gets off on him cutting her clothes up and then shows him her negligee, lingerie, I guess. And then he gets, like, performance anxiety and runs off. That's weird. Um, the idea that people could become sexually aroused by a man cutting their hair with scissors' hands. It's weird. The fact that an inventor would give, would create a man and give him scissors for hands is weird until you realise that it's been surprised and think makes complete sense. But the general nature of movies is very much an attempt for Tim Burton to portray how he feels in everyday life like he's this gothic weird cat who doesn't feel like he fits in despite that he makes product and makes people there's something that makes people happy they still turn on him whenever they feel like it so it's got a lot of reality subtext of sort there um i don't entirely know what tim burton's goal was with that subtext because you know he makes weird shit that sometimes works for the masses and sometimes doesn't. And when he does curtail some of his instincts to make something like Big Fish, it really works. You know, like there's a point where you have your weird quirks and what other people want from moving, you can merge them. Tim Burton doesn't really do that with Edward Scissorhands, which makes me wonder how this is seen as a classic. Because, I mean, don't get wrong, it's a very, very good movie, very well made, very well acted, and it's interesting and unique. But like I said, it's really, really weird. And it's strange that this one broke out. Um, but, I mean, he was on quite a roll back then. Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns. But you can clearly see he's more interested in stuff like Edward Scissorhands, where he gets to say something, even if it's not clear exactly what he wants to say or what his gender is. He's clearly made a personal movie of this. And... It's his first team up, Johnny Depp, which John Depp's weird in this movie. He's really weird in this movie. And it's a good performance, don't get me wrong, very good performance. But it's clear he doesn't want to play generic roles. He wants to play weird roles. Like Johnny Depp, by all accounts, from my perspective, at any rate, he's a character actor who looks like a leading man. I don't think he wants to be a leading man. I think he likes being a lead in stuff like this, which is weird and quirky. But stuff like, even Alice in Wonderland, I just don't think he gives a shit. Or maybe he gives too much of a shit. You gotta strain you gotta restrain him, give him a sort of cat rock. If you give him something like Parts of Caribbean or Alice in Wonderland, he goes batshit insane.
And I think really, I think in terms of like, you know, quaint movies, I'd give this probably four out of five. It's really quaint. It's really from a simpler time almost because I don't know how you'd make this movie today because there's no plot. It's like a dark fairy tale of a man with scissors for hands who goes to a town, people like him, but then don't like him because he's weird, and then he murders someone, then goes to live in Castle for 150 years and outlives everyone and never ages. So that's not really much you can go on, but, I mean, it's more about character than plot, I guess, although we don't learn that much about Edward Scissorhands, despite the fact that he may, apparently they can't, you know, give him normal hands because he's got scissors hands i suppose prosthetic hands didn't exist at this point there's nothing it can only be made at the time it was made because nowadays people would just be able to like you know go oh we'll give you i mean even back then they're prosthetic hands but i guess like um fucking vincent price's inventor was batshit inside i still don't understand what he was hoping to achieve and why he wasn't portrayed as a villain of peace, you know, it's like, I made a man with scissors for hands, it's like, congratulations, why didn't you just give him hands to start off with, it's like, well, I wanted to experiment, just give him fucking hands, look at his face, he, he's touched his face, and he's coughed up, I mean, we can't touch our faces at the moment, because of COVID-19, but he can't touch his face, because he's got scissors for hands, you old bastard, so there you go, Ed with his hands, it's, um, very watchable, four out of five on Disney Plus. Um, very Tim Burton, very very much Tim Burton movie. And here ends another episode. Thank you for listening. If you listen, if you didn't listen, you know you suck. Uh, if you did listen part of it and then stopped listening, came back to the end. Whoa, maybe I'll get two hits from you. Um, as always, it's fun, it was definitely an experience, and 83 episodes, yay, and the 84th one next week is pretty much done too, yay, um, it's what productivity in lockdown does for you, I guess, uh, you know, horror movies will continue to entertain us, um, even for their Disney Plus, <laughs> even for Disney Plus and not really horror movies, so yeah, you again, um, 83 episodes, yay, that's cool. Thank you for listening as always. And re- remember a few things. One, life is beautiful. Two, the Mandalorian's on Disney Plus and it's awesome. Three, New Mutants will probably wind up straight in Disney Plus and I'll definitely be covering it because that looks. I mean, it has to be awful at this point, surely. And the final thing is stay frosty. You know, we're in lockdown for longer. I don't know about you guys, UK is for at least three more weeks, but it could be worse. Um, we could be in lockdown for four weeks, which we probably won't be, but for the moment it's free. Um, next week's episode's going to contain Terminator and Star Wars mocking, and probably something else, I can't remember. Oh, Humanoids from Deep. Oh my god, that movie doesn't even slightly sound promising. And then in May, comic book Calf Cager, I'll be doing reviews of loads of comic a review day of combat movies unless anything changes so until next week remember life is beautiful peace out i'll teach you little sobs <laughs>